are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A great Tuesday show for you. We got so much to talk about. College football. We got more on the Miami Dolphins. Justin Fields, how awful he has been. The New Orleans Saints have been doing stuff defensively that I had no idea about. How about um, more on the gambling aspect in the NFL? Who not to listen to, as they've been terrible giving you picks all year. Raiders and Steelers on Sunday Night Football. Yesterday's podcast was recorded at halftime of that game. It played out. My gosh, Josh McDaniels is a buffoon. Jalen Hurts with a win last night on Monday Night Football. How good has he been? The AL West race is more to talk about. And the NL wildcard race we have to talk about. Kyle Schwarber did something this year that I didn't even know was possible. And we'll go over my records as well for the week. And we'll get to all that momentarily. So let's start off with my college and pro football record. Unfortunately, dropped one of my picks last night on Tampa Bay, plus the five. So we finished four and four in the NFL this week. I'm 12 and eight uh, through three weeks of the NFL, 60%. Take that. We uh, through four weeks of college football, I'm 22, 12, and two. So overall, you add that up. And I am, what, uh, 34, 20, and 2. That is a very good record. You know who you don't want to listen to when it comes to NFL plays? Colin Cowherd. Gets paid, what, millions of dollars on Fox to have his radio show, his podcast, his television show. He gives out a blazing five picks in the NFL every Friday, I believe, on his show. Through the first two weeks of the NFL season. These are against the spread. First two weeks of the NFL season, while I was 8-4, and four, he was 0-9-1. And, and you know what he did this week? 2-3. and three. So you're listening to a guy who's 2-12-1 in his first 15 picks on the NFL season. Hey, I'm not going to sit here and gloat, but I will say he's getting paid millions of dollars. And he's giving away for free, thank God. He's not charging you to give you what... <laughs> 10% winners, I'm giving you 60% in the NFL and over 60% in college. But, yeah, just keep that in mind. He's doing terrible. So let's start in college football with this. I'm sure you saw it on Saturday. After the Notre Dame-Ohio State game, Ohio State head coach Ryan Day just went on a tirade calling out Lou Holtz. And Lou Holtz had been on Pat McAfee's show the day before on Friday and said that the Ohio State program was soft, and Ryan Day's teams uh, weren't tough enough, and they were going to lose. Now, I have no problem with Ryan Day mentioning it in a post-game interview, maybe even at the post-game press conference, but the way he went about it, he made it seem like Lou Holtz, Lou Holtz has been calling out Ohio State football for years. You know, talk about, where's Lou Holtz now? I can't believe what he said about it. It's like, dude, first off, the guy's 80. Leave him alone. Who cares what Lou Holtz says? Because the funny thing is, I was watching the pregame of Ohio State and Notre Dame. I was watching it. And on the field, Ryan Day was interviewed before he had even changed into what he wore during the game. You know, they come out, they do their walkthrough on the stadium or whatever, and they asked him, and he's just like, there's been a lot of noise, you know. You know, I, I like this team. We're ready to go. We're, we're ready to play. And I like this team. I like our fight. And... 
We, we, do, we, just, we just block out all the noise. Well, apparently you don't block out all the noise because four seconds after the game ends, you're screaming into a microphone over what an 80-year-old dude said about you the day before. So, so which is it, Ryan? Do you block out the noise or do you literally call people out the second you win a game? A game, by the way, that you did not dominate in any way, shape, or form and a game that you won in the last three seconds. The guy's acting like they went in there and stomped Notre Dame 42 to nothing. You guys won in the last three seconds of the game when Notre Dame only fielded 10 defensive players. Look, I know that's not your fault. You took advantage of the fact that they only had 10 players on the field. But what I'm saying is quit acting like you're not bothered at the beginning of the game and you say we block out all the noise. Well, no, you don't because you were that bothered by what Lou Holtz said. And Lou Holtz is 80 and old, and I don't really think this guy has a vendetta against Ohio State football. Yes, he said some harsh things, but he was just allowed to voice his opinion. I just don't know. It's not like he's been saying this for years. I just don't know why Ryan Day was so up in arms about something that Lou Holtz said. It was just bizarre. Um, I, I really think that in college, we've got so much going on right now. And there's a story about the college football playoff that remember how I said, look, I don't even think this thing is going when it when it starts in 2024. Since there's only going to be two Pac-12 teams, how can you do a six and six model, which is six conference winners and the six best remaining teams? That's who the 12 teams that are going to make it in. Well, that was when you had a power five conferences and then you're going to take one winner, the highest ranked team from the other conference um, the highest ranked team from the other any of the other power uh, or any group of five conference winner, the highest ranked group of five conference winner, plus the five power five conference winners. Well, there's not going to be a power five. There's going to be a power four because there's no Pac-12 next year. So now they're thinking, do we go to the same thing, just the power four plus a one and do a five and seven model? And apparently they're going to stick it out, at least through the first season. They're just going to see how it goes. But Man, I still think that's going to change. They're meeting this week. I still think that's going to change. I just don't see any way that the people that are higher up in college football who don't really want anything to do with group of five schools and wish they would probably go away so they can form their own playoff system, which inevitably is probably what we're headed for. I just can't imagine they're going to be like, yeah, the winner of the Mountain West and the winner of the MAC automatically in our conference and automatically in our playoff. I don't see that happening next year. Maybe one of them will get an automatic bid, but the next six teams, I guarantee, are going to be from Power Five schools. It's just the way it's going to go. It's bullying at its finest. Now, moving on to the NFL, I told you about the Miami Dolphins and how this offense is just totally ridiculous. Did you see what they did on Sunday? Yes, the Denver Broncos had three turnovers, which Miami converted all into touchdowns. But even if you take that away, that's still 49 points that Miami put up. It's not like they had a bunch of short fields either. Miami Dolphins put up 726 yards of total offense. The In the history of the NFL, the most yards any team has ever gotten in a game was 735, the Rams in 1951. That was the second most yards any team has ever put up, ever. The most points in a game in NFL history was 73, the 1940 Chicago Bears. Dolphins put up 70. 
against Denver. And they easily could have either punched in a touchdown or at least tied the record, but they ended up taking a knee with two minutes left when they were literally in field goal range. So I'm just telling you, you need to watch out for this Miami team. You really do, because they are a spectacle to watch on offense. I don't know how you defend them other than you better get pressure on the quarterback, you better not give him time, and offensively keep their offense off the field. I mean, and you might say, well, just play his own, keep all the fast guys in front of you. Well, that's way easier said than done, as evidenced by the first three games of the season where the Miami Dolphins look unbeatable. Did you see the Sunday night game? Did you see Raiders-Steelers, and did you see the bonehead move that Josh McDaniels pulled in the last two minutes of the game. I don't know what this guy's thinking. They're down by eight, two minutes left, and he decides to kick a field goal. During that field goal, the Pittsburgh Steelers committed a penalty. They gave the Raiders an automatic first down. So now they got a first down inside the 20-yard line. They're in the red zone. They don't get a first down, so they decide to kick a field goal again. And his thinking was, we have three timeouts. We'll kick a field goal. We cut it to five. We have all three timeouts. If we stop them from getting a first down, we get the ball back, and now we have a chance to win with a touchdown. The thing about it is, though, it didn't make any difference. The odds of winning were actually better if you would have went for it the first time for a touchdown, because even if you don't get it, you're in the same exact position. You still need a touchdown and a two-point conversion. If you would have gotten it on that first drive right there, you would have had touchdown, two-point conversion, and you could have stopped them once you kicked the ball off and maybe got the ball back and is needing a field goal to win. But by kicking a field goal, it made no sense. It was one of the most boneheaded moves out there. And even McDaniels after the game said, you have two choices there. You try and make it a five-point game with a field goal where you have an opportunity to win it with the touchdown if you get the ball back. Or you try and go for it there. And then if you happen to convert, then you got to make the two-point conversion. According to the ESPN analytics, going for it would have given the Raiders a 15.8% win probability compared to 10.2% by kicking the field goal. So even the analytics say he should have gone for it. And I don't know how he didn't see that, but then again, Josh McDaniels is a horrible NFL head coach. His record serves him, and it proves that he's a horrible NFL head coach. He hasn't been any good. So I guess that's what you'd expect from a Josh McDaniels coach team. Speaking of horrible NFL teams and head coaches, do you know the Chicago Bears are a bad football team? No, not because every team basically has them as their homecoming game now. But Justin Fields has now started 28 games in the NFL. He's 5-23. and 23. He's lost 13 games in a row. The Bears have lost 13 straight. They are 3-18 and 18 overall with Matt Eberflus as their head coach, who was brought in at the beginning of last year. They haven't scored 21 points in a game since November 20th of last year. This is just ineptitude. It's incompetence. Everybody should be fired in that organization and just restart this thing. Tank every game the rest of this season. Don't try and win and try and get Caleb Williams. And even then, with how bad the Bears have been in the last 25 years, I believe they've won three playoff games in the last 25 years as well. Like, this is a bad organization. And they're getting worse. They're not getting any better. That's a problem. So from bad teams 
we now go to good teams. Do you know that Jalen Hurts, after the win last night in Tampa Bay on Monday Night Football, (laughs) do you realize that Jalen Hurts is 20-1 and in his last 21 regular season starts? I mean, this seems a juggernaut. There's a reason he was number two in the NFL MVP race last year. The Eagles are just, I mean, you saw the game last night. How many more holes can they open up on the offensive line for their running backs? Holy shit. I could have got through those holes on my scooter last year with a torn Achilles. It's ridiculous. Nice run defense, Bucks. Holy crap. So, yeah. Needless to say, not too thrilled. I was on the Bucks last night with one of my plays that I gave you guys. And as for another team in the Bucks division, somehow the Saints blew a 17-0 fourth quarter lead to the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. I still don't understand that game, other than the fact that Derek Carr got hurt and never played, and from the second he went out, the Saints never scored another point. And it looks like he's got a mild AC sprain in his shoulder. Jameis Winston's going to be the starting quarterback now. But going back to last year, the Saints have now held eight consecutive opponents under 20 points. You hold that you should be able to win most of your games. So they're getting Alvin Kamara back this year, which is good, or this week, which is good. I don't know how fresh Jameis is going to be. He's a serviceable starting quarterback in the NFL, but when your defense puts up numbers like that, where your opponent is never getting to 20 points, man, and you have a 17-0 lead in the fourth quarter on the road at Green Bay, you got to put that game away. And, yeah, I'm a little salty because I have the Saints over nine and a half wins this year and would have been great for them to start 3-0 and because then I just need them to go 7-7 and the rest of the year. So I saw that, and I'm like, wow, it's a great defense. So that's your NFL talk uh, for today. we got a lot more uh, to go over uh, in the coming days. But, yeah, man, Saints, got a, Saints blew that one on Sunday. And – The Philadelphia Eagles are a juggernaut right now. While I play fantasy baseball and I've done it for years, I'm not in a league where you have to like make trades and update your stuff as the season's going on and daily or weekly or whatever. We pick our teams at the beginning of the season and there's no trades or anything. It's just that's the team you're stuck with. You basically have to avoid injuries. And I've been able to do that. I'm probably going to finish either third or fourth in my league this year. But I'm bringing that up because what I mean to say is I watch baseball. I follow it. I did not bet on one baseball game this whole year. I'm very proud of myself for that. But I, 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 you know, I follow my guys and I follow the guys that my guys are close to. So I just, I, I'm not as a stat nerd about other teams and other players unless it's brought to my attention. I had no idea about this because I can guarantee you I've maybe watched two innings of Philadelphia Philly baseball this year. But have you seen what Kyle Schwarber did this year? I don't know if they played last night, but if they didn't, then here's the stat. Kyle Schwarber is the 13th player in Major League history to have at least 45 home runs, 100 RBIs, 100 runs scored, and 120 walks. Kyle Schwarber. You know what else Kyle Schwarber did this year? And what he's currently at right now? He's hitting 197. It's like this guy either hits a home run or he walks. That's it. 
I should have looked at how many hits he has and just be like, does he have more home runs than other hits? Does he have more home runs than singles, doubles, and triples combined? You know what? I'm going to look at that. Hang on real quick. Okay, no, he doesn't. He's got 112 hits on the season, 45 home runs. So that means he's got, what, 55 and 12. He's got 67 singles, doubles, and triples. He's got got 19 doubles and one triple. So he's got 47 singles, 19 doubles, one triple. So he's got one, two less home runs than he does singles on the year. And this is a guy that's had 701 plate appearances. It's not like this guy barely played like half the year or whatever. He's played in 155 games. He's basically played in every game this year for the Phillies. 45 home runs, 100 RBIs. He's got 105 runs scored, and he's walked 124 times, yet he's batting 197. You know why? Because he leads the league in strikeouts at 210. (laughs) Wow. That's just (laughs) feast or famine, uh, to say the least, with Kyle Schwarber. So these pennant races and actual playoff spots are really starting to heat up right now. And, man, the Texas Rangers. I hit my over for the season. Their over win total was 82.5. They're currently sitting at 88 with six games left, so clearly they're going to blow that out of the water. And for a team that literally fell three games out of first place two weeks ago, they have now gotten a a two-and-a-half game lead in the AL West. They are going to get a first-round bye in the playoffs as long as they can hold on to this. they got two more games against the Angels and then four against the Mariners, who are now trailing them by four games when just two weeks ago the Mariners were in first. Now the Mariners are four games out of the AL West. They can still make a wild card, the Mariners, but it's three teams fighting for two wild card spots. We already know the Tampa Bay Rays are in the wild card. The other three teams are fighting for it are the Toronto Blue Jays, the Houston Astros, and the Seattle Mariners. And I'm telling you, this is something that is going to get very, very interesting considering the Rangers do play the Mariners to end the season uh, in four game in a four game series to end the season in Seattle. Now Seattle could easily just make it all up, and what if they sweep the Rangers over four games? Well, right now the Rangers have a four game lead over them, so it would be it would just be to just to tie. Seattle can't go into that last series worse than four games behind the Rangers, or else they have no shot at winning the AL West. They'd still have a shot at the wild card, but they'd have no shot at the AL West. But it is just amazing because remember when I told you just two weeks ago the Rangers had lost 16 of 20? They were 4-16, and and they could not hit the ball. They could not drive in a run. Everybody was slumping at the same time, and then yet they turn it around. And ever since they lost – ever since the Rangers lost uh, 16 out of 20, they went one, two, three, four, five. They won six in a row, then lost four in a row, and now they've won six in a row. So ever since they lost 16 out of 20, they've won 12 out of the last 16. They're 12 and four since going four and 16. Like it, this team has been so ridiculously streaky in the second half. It's unbelievable. But now with six games remaining, they have a two and a half game lead in the AL West and they have a three game lead in the loss column over the Astros. So the Astros play the Mariners tonight and tomorrow, excuse me. Yeah. The 
Rangers play the Angels today and tomorrow, but then the Astros are off on Thursday. So that's where the Rangers are going to either lose a half game or gain a half game. So it is possible the Rangers could be three games up with four games left. In the, I mean, and they clearly have the second best record in the American League right now, the Texas Rangers. So we know the baseball playoffs, the top two seeds, which are going to be the Baltimore Orioles and the Texas Rangers, or seemingly whoever wins the AL West, because Texas has a five-game lead on the AL Central one winner. So your two division winners with the best record, which is going to be the AL East and the AL West winners, they get buys, and then the division winner in the Central, the Twins, will play the sixth seed, whoever the last team to make it into the playoffs is, which is either going to be the Mariners, the Astros, or the Blue Jays, and then four plays five, which is either going to be – or excuse me, um, yeah, the the – Fourth place team is going to be the Tampa Bay Rays because they have the best wild card record, and then they will play either the Astros or the Mariners. So it's going to be, or the Blue Jays. So it's going to be. I, I probably got a little confusing there, but if you've been following it, you know. As for the National League, I mean, we pretty much know the two buys are going to be. Well, not pretty much. We know the two buys are going to be the Braves and the Dodgers. Now the Braves are going to. What are they going to win out? Right, they're going to. They've won 100 games. The Dodgers won 96. So the Dodgers aren't going to catch. The Braves would have to lose their last five, and the Dodgers would have to win their last five for the Dodgers to be the one seed. So the Braves will be the one. The Dodgers will be the two. And the Milwaukee Brewers are going to clinch the NL Central probably. Did they clinch already? Yeah, though they clinched the playoff berth. They're going to win the NL Central probably tonight. So Brewers will be the third seed, and they, um, in the NL wildcard race, you're looking at four teams competing for three spots. The Phillies are already going to be the four seed because they're going to have the best record of all the wildcard teams. So you basically have three teams competing for two spots. The Diamondbacks and the Cubs currently are the five and six seed, and the Miami Marlins are right behind them, one game behind them. So between the Diamondbacks, Cubs, and Marlins, two of those teams are making the playoffs, and one of them is getting axed out. Outside chance the Reds get there. They're two and a half games behind the D-backs and the Cubs, but that's a long shot with only six games left. But it's possible. It's certainly possible. But, yeah, this should be an interesting race. This should be a Braves-Dodgers NLCS, but you could have said that last year since they were one and two in the playoffs. And remember, both of them got first-round buys and then they got to the second round, and the Dodgers get killed by the Padres, and the Braves got beat, um, and the Braves got beat by the Phillies. So, again, baseball playoffs—it does not matter. You might think it does; it really doesn't, because it's—you can be like, "Well, they were the hottest team coming into the playoffs. Every team's playing good at some point." I mean, right now, the Rangers, heading into the last six games of the season, have won twelve of the last sixteen. Just because they're the hottest team heading into the playoffs, I don't trust their bullpen in the playoffs. Are you kidding me? They have the worst bullpen almost in the history of baseball, and yet they're going to probably win their division and get in the playoffs. But you watch. When you start watching playoff games, I'm guessing not a lot of you have watched Texas Ranger baseball this year. Their bullpen is a giant gas can. They just come in and ruin everything. So just be prepared for me to say, hey, did you see that Ranger game last night? Up 7-4 heading into the 8th, and... Their bullpen blew it. It's going to happen. Their bullpen is going to blow 
one, if not multiple playoff games in the postseason. You heard it here first. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review as well. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know about it. Having a lot of fun here. Great record so far, 12-8 and eight in pro football picks. Over 60%, or that's 60%. We're 22-12-2 in college picks. That's over 60%, so got a lot going for you here. We're 4-0 in best bets in college. Doing really well in a lot of my picks that I give out for free every Friday here on the Sports Daily. So thank you all for listening. And again, remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.